I enjoy my sackle by the lake. Uh, when you're when you're Robert Burns reflecting, having a good time in, on the the moors, and then you reflect on the pain that you've caused others. Oh, mice. <laughs> <laughs> pain that you've caused mice. Hello. Welcome to Infinite. Oh, we're recording? Yeah, we were. <laughs> when we were did just, we start recording? <laughs> we were just having a little uh, a little talk about Robert Burns uh, and how he hurt that mouse. <laughs> but <laughs> He didn't mean to. <laughs> he didn't mean to. And it caused him to reflect on man, the tenuous life of, or creation of man. Mm. Uh, Molly is Molly is on the verge of tears thinking about the <laughs> mouse hole. Bad. <laughs> we just don't all the stuff we do. You know how many ants we step on every day as yeah. we go get a coffee? Who work so hard to build their houses? Well, the ants are basically little robots. They don't think. I know, but it's still you know living being. They had yep. a job. They had a job just like we do. It still hurts them. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to Infinite Cast, the pod jest <laughs> about Infinite Jest. Yes. Uh, I don't know why we were talking about Robert Burns. We were talking about um, Be- Beastie Boys. Oh, yes. We just saw a YouTube video thumbnail for Beastie Boys live in Glasgow. Live in Glasgow. And, and then we I was like, oh, the, the Beasties. The and, beasties. Then, and then it reminded me of we slick it, cowering, timorous beastie. Ah, uh, what a panic's in thy breastie. Uh, and of course the mouse. Probably one of my favorite poems, actually. Yeah. In the in the in the Scottish, though, that's the, that's what you really got to do it. I think that might be one of my favorite poems of all time. I, I need, should read more poetry, honestly. I need to get the uh, the American translations of the transliterations of Robert Burns' poems. Sure. I well, can, the, I can't you deal with all the nays. Oh, but that's the best part. The um or like I and it's e apostrophe e. Eh. Eh. Uh, you you're the one who's read like Chaucer and shit. One in April, the shore of Sotus, the druk of March hath pierced to the rota and bathed every vein in sweet liquor of which virtue engendered is the fleur. And Zafrus spach with his sweat a breath and spirit hath in every holt and hath the tender cropus and the younger sona hath in the re- That's where my memory is. That's the opening to Canterbury Tales in Old English. Do you think they had to read Canterbury Tales at ETA? Or uh, were they were they focusing more on like um, Catullus or something? Uh, maybe that seems like the kind of thing that would be in their like classical vocational. Were they like because they they're it said that their uh, academic schedule is like based on like old Cl- like trivium logic and trivium. Yeah. yeah. That, so that seems like something they do. Um, the Chaucer. I don't know about you because I know you went to a different kind of school than me, but there was a Chaucer class in my high school, and I had most of my friends took it. And the thing was like you read like pervy shit. Yeah, yeah. It was a really good teacher too. Um, but you all like that was the thing. Like yeah, you, you read we would, all the horny ones. We would be like, you know, meet, meeting up after school and be like, yeah, we fucking read some f- gross ass shit. Yeah, Chaucer today. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm busy. <laughs> you, this um, bishop fucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, yes. Uh, should we re- do some reading? Let's do some reading. Great. We had just uh, just finished Tiny Ewell's Tattoo Obsession, and now we're back back to the Tennis Academy. Michael Pemulus has this habit of looking first to one side and then over to the other before he says anything. It's impossible to tell whether this is unaffected or whether Pemulus is emulating some film noir type character. It's worse when he's put away a couple drins. He and Trevor Axford and Helen Condenza are in Pemulus's room with Pemulus's roommates, Shacked and Trolch, down at lunch. So they're alone, Pemulus and Axford and Hal, stroking their chins, looking down at Michael Pemulus's yachting cap on his bed. 
Lying inside the overturned hat are a bunch of fair-sized but bland-looking tablets of the allegedly incredibly potent DMZ. Mm. Uh, that's remember when Pemulus had taken that train and then like shook off his uh, alleged uh, followers yeah. and got the got the stuff yeah. in his hat. And his little sailing cap. He's back. Uh, Pemulus looks all around behind them in the empty room. This inkster axe handle is the incredibly potent DMZ, the great white shark of organosynthesized hallucinogens, the gargantuan feral infant of. <laughs> Hal says we get the picture. I forgot about the feral infants. Don't never forget. The Yale U of the Ivy League of Acids, says Axford. Your ultimate psychosensual distorter, Pemulus sums up. Think you mean psychosensory? Unless I don't know the whole story here. Axford gives Hal a narrow look. Interrupting Pemulus means having to watch him do the head thing all over again each time. Hard to find, gentlemen, as in very hard to find. Last lots came off the line in the early 70s. These tablets here are artifacts. Certain amount of decay and potency, probably inevitable, used in certain shady CIA-era military experiments. Okay, nice. Axford nods down at the hat. Mind control? <laughs> More like getting the enemy to think their guns are hydrangea, the enemy's a blood relative, that sort of thing. Who knows? The accounts I've been reading have been incoherent, gistless. Uh, experiments conducted. Things got out of hand. Let's just say things got out of control. Potency judged too incredible to proceed. Subjects locked away in institutions and written off as casualties of peace. Formula shredded. Research teams scattered, reassigned. Vague, but I've got to tell you pretty sobering rumors. These are from the early 70s, Axe Handel says. See the little trademark in each one with a guy in bell bottoms and long sideburns? <laughs> is that what that is? Unprecedentedly potent, this stuff. The Swiss inventor, they say, was originally recommending LSD-25 as what to take to come down off the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Pemulus takes one of the tablets and puts it in his palm and pokes at it with a calloused finger. What we're looking at, we're looking at here either a serious sudden injection of cash. Axford makes a shocked noise. You'd actually try to peddle the incredibly potent DMZ around this sorry place? Pemulus's snort sounds like the letter K. Get an, a large economy-sized clue, axe handle. Nobody here to have any clue what they'd even be dealing with. Not to mention willing to pay what they're worth. Why, there are pharmaceutical museums, left-wing think tanks, New York designer drug consortiums. I'm sure <laughs> be dying to dissect these. Is he talking about uh, who he's going to sell the dr drugs to or Chapo Trap House? Oh, ew, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dissect these. Decoct like. Toss into the spectrometer and see what's what. That we could get bids from, you're saying, Axford says. Hal squeezes a ball, silently looking at the hat. Pemulus turns the tablet over. Or certain very progressive and hip-type nursing homes I know guys that know of. Or down at Back Bay at that yogurt place with the picture of those historical guys Inc. was saying at, yogurt, at breakfast was up on the wall. Ram Das, William <laughs> Burroughs. Uh, historical guys. Or just down in Harvard Square at Obon Penn where all those 70s-era guys and old wool ponchos play chess against those little clocks they keep hitting. <laughs> Axford's pretending to punch Hal's arm in excitement. 
Pamela says, or of course I'm thinking I could just go to the sheer entertainment route and toss them in the Gatorade barrels at the meet with Port Washington Tuesday or down at the Whataburger. Watch everybody run around clutching their heads or whatever. I'd be way into watching Wayne play with distorted senses. Hal puts one foot up on Pemulus's little frustum-shaped bedside stool and leans further in. Would it be prying to ask how you finally managed to get hold of these? It wouldn't be prying at all, Pemulus says, removing from the yachting cap's lining every piece of contraband he's got and spreading it out on the bed, sort of the way older people will array all their valuables in quiet moments. <laughs> he has a small quantity of personal consumption lamb's breath cannabis, bought back from Hal out of a 20G he'd sold Hal in a dusty baggie. It, I'm so bad with drug amounts. Is 20 grams a lot? It's not an ounce, is it? No, I don't know. I've seen an ounce before. <laughs> I know what that is. Uh, in a dusty baggie, a little saran-wrapped cardboard rectangle with four black stars spaced evenly across it, the odd drin, and it looks like a baker's dozen of the incredibly potent DMZ, Sweet tart-sized tablets of no particular color with a tiny mod hipster in each center wishing the viewer peace. <laughs> we don't even know how many hits this is, he muses quietly. There's sun on the wall with a hanging viewer and poster of the paranoid king and an enormous hand-drawn Sierpinski gasket. In one of the three big mullioned west windows... The Academy is nothing if not well fenestrated. <laughs> There's an oval flaw that's casting a bubble of ale-colored autumn sunlight from the window's left side to elongate onto Pemulus's tightly made bed, which takes us to end note number 73. One of the graduate pro-rectors' little tasks is supposedly to go around to different sub-dorm floors and check the rooms for things like are the beds made up drum tight with unpleasant little extra drills added to the regimens of bed-making and toothpaste cap-replacing slackers, though few of the pro-rectors have the combination anality and drive actually to go around to their assigned rooms with a checklist, the exceptions being Aubrey Delint. Mary Esther Thode, and the hatchet-faced Kenyan Tony Nwangi, who's got the pemulus slash trolch slash shack suite under extremely beady scrutiny at all times. <laughs> uh, pemulus is tightly made bed, and he moves everything his hat's got into the brighter bubble, going down on one knee to study a tablet between his forceps. Pemulus owns stuff like philatelic forceps, a loop, a pharmaceutical scale, a postal scale, a personal size Bunsen burner with the calm precision of a jeweler. The literature's mute on the titration. Do you take one tablet? He looks up on one side and then back around on the other at the boys' faces leaning in above. Is like half a tab a regulation hit? Two or th even three tablets maybe, Hal says, knowing he sounds greedy but unable to help himself. The accessible data's vague, Pemulus says, his profile contorted around the loop in his socket. The literature on muscimol lysergic blends is spotty and vague and hard to read, except how to say massive except to say how massively powerful the supposed yields are. Hal looks at the top of Pemulus's head. Did you hit a medical library? I got on med.com off lateral Alice's Watts line and went back and forth and lateral, up and down. Lateral Alice? Lateral Alice Moore. She's like the, um, we'll learn why she's lateral later, but okay. she's like the receptionist at the okay. tennis academy. Uh, went back and forth and up and down through med.com. 
Plenty on lysergics, plenty on methoxy class hybrids, vague and almost gossip colony shit on fitviavi compounds. To get anything you got to cross key ergotics with the phrase mustamol or mustamolated. <laughs> Only a couple things ring that bell when you key in or ring the bell when you key in DMZ. Then they're all potent this, sinister that. Nothing with any specifics. And jumbly polysyllables out the ass. Whole thing gave me a migraine. Yes, but did you actually hop in the truck and actually go to a real med library? How's his mother Avril's child when it comes to databases, software, spell checks, etc.? Axford now really does punch him once in the shoulder, albeit the right one. Pemulus is scratching absently at the little hair hurricane at the center of his hair. <laughs> it's close to uh, 1430 hours and the flawed bubble of light on the bed is getting to be the slightly sad color of early winter PM. There are still no sounds from the West Courts outside, but there's high song of much volume through the wall's water pipes. A lot of the guys who are drilled past caring in the AM don't get it up to shower until after lunch then sit through PM classes with wet hair and different clothes than their AM classes. <laughs> Pemulus rises to stand between, to, between them and looks around the empty three-bedded room again with neat stacks of three players' clothes and bright gear on shelves and three wicker laundry hampers bulging slightly. There is the rich scent of athletic laundry, but other than that, the room looks almost professionally clean. Pemulus and Shaq's room makes Hal and Mario's room look like an insane asylum, Hal thinks. Axford drew one of only two single upper-class rooms in last spring's lottery, the other having gone to the Vought twins, who got counted as one entry in room draw. <laughs> Pemulus still has his cheek screwed up to keep the loop in as he looks around. One like a jeweler's loop. How much do you think that costs? A bunch? <sighs> Hundred bucks, two hundred. I mean, I guess there's probably different qualities of them. I'll have to find out. Uh, yeah, I right. Mean, all the, yeah, you could probably get a real, a real quality, you know, uncut gems. Yeah, an uncut gem, like a professional quality or like a toy quality. You yeah, know, like a, a Burger King kids meal gift, sure. jeweler's <laughs> loop. I mean, all the gear he has it. sounds pretty expensive. A Bunsen burner. How much is a Bunsen burner? Don't you need gas to run a Bunsen burner? Yeah, but you need gas for like a gas grill. It's like you know. Yeah, well, does it have a tiny propane tank in our? I. Uh, plus not two scale scales, a pharmaceutical scale and a mailing scale. I just think I guess you need like a what is consistent stamps.com. You need a consistent um lo- a gas line, right? Yeah, yeah. Hold on, I'm just I'm, Bunsen burner fifty dollars, eighteen forty. I think the real investment. Ooh, a uh, case of ten is fifteen hundred. I think it varies. A case of well, you can buy bulk Bunsen burners. There's uh, there's a Bunsen burner where you just screw in like a can of like of fuel like a canister. Yeah, um, I don't think it's that expensive. Uh, you can get a jeweler's loop for as low as nine ninety nine. Let's get you a jeweler's loop, and you can look at um little little things, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. One monograph, this is Pamela speaking, one monograph had this toss-off about DMZ where the guy invites you to envision acid that has itself dropped acid. Yes. We, have, we, have we heard that before? Yeah, you're st- like that's the thing is that he puts these things in footnotes and then it starts getting repeated, he did, almost he like the, he's yeah. training you to understand. Yeah, was there like a long footnote about... Pemulus researching this? Researching and just like there was a huge DMZ footnote as okay, well. Great. So yeah, yeah. Uh, holy crow. <laughs> 
one uh one article out of fucking moment of all sources talks about how this one army convict at Leavenworth got allegedly injected with some massive unspecified dose of early DMZ as part of some army experiment in Christ only knows what and about how this convict's family sued over how the guy reportedly lost his mind. He directs the loop dramatically at first Hal and then Axford. I mean, literally lost his mind. Like the massive dose picked his mind up and carried it off somewhere and put it down someplace and forgot where. I think we get the picture, Mike. Allegedly, Moment says how the guy is later found in his army cell in some impossible lotus position, singing show tunes in a scary, deadly, accurate <laughs> Ethel Merman impression voice. Wait, you should see what's going on at this Qatari final. Cool. Are they in Qatar? <laughs> yes. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> it's a guy holding up a trophy <gasps> of a falcon. Of a falcon. Uh, in front of a bunch of sheiks and like a fountain of sparks starts shooting that's, off That's cool. Him. That's what the game is all about. Yeah, that truly, this is what tennis is made I for. I want a trophy shaped like a falcon. <laughs> it is very funny that the, the sheiks uh, give, give you a falcon trophy. I would also like to learn how to falcon, but I think I saw on, um, I saw on Twitter, um, someone said that they were interested. It was a, uh, at, at Chinchillazilla, mm-hmm. I bless the reins in Castamir, oh, yeah, iconic yeah. iconic Twitter persona, yes. said that they were interested in um, falconing and but were like looked up the falconry database because you do have to apprentice legally yeah. and uh, everyone she looked up was dead. Oh yes, I, rem- <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that that like everybody in their in her state at least in right? her state was dead. <laughs> oh God! All the isn't that a beautiful? Not like all the falconers are dead. All the falconers are dead. All the falconers. All the are falconers. Dead. Are dead <laughs> and the falcons are free. <laughs> All right, uh, sorry. You, you got to go to to the Arabian Peninsula to get a living falconer. Yeah, those guys love the love those falcons. I'll see. Maybe there's some kind of scholarship for for ladies. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta throw my gender around a little. <laughs> the ladies falconing scholarship. Affirmative action for falconing. I I'll take advantage of that shit. Glass ceiling. Um. Axford says maybe Pemulus stumbled on a possible explanation for poor old Lyle and his lotus position down in the weight room, gesturing with the bad right hand in the direction of Calm Ad. Again, Pemulus with the thing with the head. The slackening of a cheek lets the loop fall out and bounce off the drum tight bed, and Pemulus gets it to rebound into his palm without even looking. God, these the hand eye coordination on these little tennis boys. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think we can err on the side of not dickying the Gatorade barrels anyway. This soldier's story's moral was proceed with caution, big time. The guy's mind's still allegedly AWOL. An old soldier now still belting out Broadway medleys in some secretive institution someplace. Blood relatives try to sue on the guy's behalf. Army apparently came up with enough arguments to give the jury reasonable doubt about if the guy can even be said to legally exist enough to bring suit anymore since the dose misplaced his mind. Uh, can I just interject that the concept of working up a sweat outside and then getting a tiny cup of ice cold water from a, a Gatorade barrel uh, sounds very good to me. Sounds good, especially in the little like cup. Yeah, the, the small size plastic cup, cup or or even... One of those paper cones. That's yes. Uh, 
there was this is we're so off topic, but there was a a, a small business in Burlington, a shoe store that would have that the, had um like a running shoe a, store, a running yes. shoe store, uh, yes, and it had yes. the paper cones no, and an ice cold, cold barrel of water. Yeah, and I hated shoe shopping because my feet grew fucking every. Year. I had to get new shoes every year yeah, until yeah. they stopped growing in seventh grade, and I just hated it. Like every part of it was agony, including like I just like I'm like I don't want you to spend any more money on me. Like why can't I get one pair of shoes? But that cold cold water. <laughs> And the paper, paper cups, cups. was yes. everything. Uh, our spot for that was Bob's Running Spot in Cincinnati that my dad would go to all the time because he needed to get special sh- uh, shoes. This is a very infinite Justin GN story because yeah. he was playing baseball with friends when he was a kid and somebody slid into the base he was guarding wearing fireman boots and broke my dad's leg and it reset wrong and one of his... Uh, legs is a quarter inch shorter than the other, so he's had to. That. So he has had to wear tennis shoes with lifts for his entire life. And the way that he d- got them mm-hmm. was like once a year or once every other year, going to Bob's Running Spot and ordering like ten shoes at once with the lift. And yeah. I would go and drink the ice cold water yeah. out of the the paper cone. Here's the thing, and maybe you can relate. Shoe shopping somehow felt like it took forever, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how many cups of water would you get? And at what point would you maybe have to get a new cone because the, the cone, cone got, got so soggy. wet? And you're maybe also feeling a little self-conscious, like, oh, God, I just, I just love this water. <laughs> Why is but this I'm, water wasting so the, I'm wasting it's these like cones. A, I think you could taste the paper a little bit. Yeah, it's so good. It was so good. Oh, paper cone <laughs> water. <laughs> oh, okay, where am I? Um, Axford feels silently at his elbow. So you're saying, let's proceed with care, why don't we? Hal kneels to prod one of the tablets up against the dusty baggie's side. His finger looks dark in the elongated bubble of light. I'm thinking these look like two tablets are possibly a hit. A kind of Motrin-ish look to them. (laughs) Visual guesswork isn't going to do it. This is not Bob Hope, Inc. (laughs) We could even designate it Ethel for on the phone, Axford suggests. Pemulus watches Hal arranging the tablets into the same general cardioid shape as ETA itself. What I'm saying, this is not a fool's Russian type substance, Inc. This Shotun soldier like left the planet. Well, so long as he waves every so often. (laughs) The sense I got is the only thing he waves at is his food. But that was from a massive early dose, Axford says. Hal's arrangement of the tablets on the red and gray counterpane is almost zen in its precision. These are from the 70s? After intricate third-party negotiations, Michael Pemulus finally landed 650 milligrams of the vaunted and elusive compound DMZ, or Madame Psychosis, Mm -hmm. from a small-arms-draped duo of reputed former Canadian insurgents Mm -hmm. who now undertook small and probably kind of pathetic outdated insurgency projects (laughs) from behind the front operation of a cut-rate, mirror-blown-glass, practical-joke-and-gag, trendy postcard, and low-demand old film cartridge emporium called Antitois Entertainment, (laughs) just up Prospect Street from Inman Square, in Cambridge's decayed Portugal-slash-Brazilian district. (laughs) I don't know if they had one of those. Because Pemulus always conducts business solo and speaks no French, the whole transaction with the knuck in charge had to be negotiated in dumb show, 
and since this lumberjackish anti-Tuan knuckwad tended to look from side to side before he communicated even more than Pemulus looked all around himself with his dim-looking partner standing there cradling a broom and also scanning for eavesdroppers in the closed shop the whole time, the whole negotiated deal had resembled a kind of group psychomotor seizure with different bits of whipping and waggling heads reflected in dislocated sections and at jagged angles in more mirrors and pebbled blown glass vases than Pemulus had ever seen crammed into anywhere. A very low-rent TP had indeed... Uh, indeed had a hardcore porn cartridge going at five times the normal speed. <laughs> so it looked like crazed rodents and may have turned Pemulus's sexual glands off for all time, he feels. God alone knew what, where these clowns had acquired 13 incredibly potent 50 milligram artifacts of the BS 1970s. But the good news is they were Canadians and like fucking nucksters about almost anything, they had no idea what they were in possession of was worth as it slowly emerged. Pemulus, with aid of 150 milligrams of time-release tenuate dose span, almost danced a little post-transaction jig on his way up the steps of the Otios Cambridge bus, feeling the way W. Penn in his Quaker Oats hat in like the 16th century must have felt trading a, tr a few trinkets to babe in the woods natives for New Jersey, he imagined doffing the nautical cap to two nuns in the aisle. <laughs> he's, such a, he's got such swag. Over the course of the next academic day, the incredibly potent stash, now wrapped tight in saram, what? It's William Penn in his Quaker Oats hat. Yeah. <laughs> now wrapped tight in saram and stashed deep in the toe of an old sneaker that sits atop the aluminum strut between two panels in subdorm B's drop ceiling, Temulus's time-tested entrepote. Over the course of the next day or so, the matter's hashed out, and it's decided that while there's no real reason to involve Boone or Stice or Struck or Trolch, it's really Pemulus and Axford and Hal's right, duty almost, to the spirits of inquiry and good trade practice, to sample the potentially incredibly potent DMZ in predeterminedly safe amounts before unleashing it on Boone or Trolch or any unwitting civilians. Axford having been allowed in on the front end, the question of Hal's defraying the opportunity cost of his part in the experiment is tactfully broached and turns out to be no problem. Pemulus's markup isn't anything beyond accepted norms, and there's always room in Hal's budget for spirited inquiry. Hal's one condition is that somebody tech literate actually take the truck down to BU or MIT's medical library and physically verify that the compound is both organic and non-addictive, which Pemulus says a physical hands-on library assault is already down in his day planner in pen anyway. After PM drills on Thursday. Look at these nerds and their drug due diligence. It's very funny. I relate, though. After PM drills on Thursday, as Hal and Condenza and Pemulus... What? You should, you should post on r slash drugs. Uh, attempting DMZ for the first time. Dosage? <laughs> I wonder if I would get if I would get booted for that. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I wonder how, how heavy they mod. Because right now, the obvious thing to mod for is people trying to buy drugs. Yes. <laughs> on r slash drugs. Uh, no, you. I think it would be a funny bit to try to do a uh, a long posting thing to try to convince people that that was a real or a, a DMZ trip report or yeah, whatever DMZ trip report. Yeah, there's two. There, I've I've made this joke to you, but there's only two types of posts on r slash drugs. 
There's um, people who say, uh, I got addicted to Xanax at 15 years old and it's ruined my entire life. Or people who do mushrooms and they're like, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. I've forgiven my my dead father for, for all, the, all the, the hurts he's caused me. <laughs> Those are the only two types of posts in r slash drugs. Uh, it just makes me want to... Sh- uh, my friend uh, ex- at Extra Napkin, Steve Shaberg, has a great old post that's... <laughs> Like a trip report that's like uh, se- 7 p.m. Uh, dose, dose 128 ounces beer. 701, <laughs> nothing. 702, nothing. 703, oh, holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Mother of God. Yeah. Um, all right. After p.m. drills on Thursday as Hal and Condensa and Pemulus with camera mounted Mario and Condensa in tow stand with their hands in the chain link mesh, mesh of one of the show courts fencing and watch Teddy Schacht play a private exhibition against a Syrian satellite pro who's at ETA for two paid weeks of corrective instruction on a service motion that's eroding his rotator cuff. The guy wears thick glasses with a black athletic band around his head and plays with an upright square-jawed liquid precision and is dispatching Ted Schacht handily, which Schacht is taking with his customary sanguine good temper, giving his stolid all, learning what he can, one of very few genuinely stocky players at ETA and one of the even fewer ranked junior players around without an apparent ego wholly non-insecure since he blew out his knee on a contrepied in this uh, pre-Thanksgiving exhibition three years back, which is odd, now still in it and at it just for the fun, and more or less doomed, therefore, to a, pur- to a purgatorial existence in 128-256 Alphabetville. As, pe- as Pemulus and Hal stand there sweaty in full red and gray ETA sweats on a raw 11-5 p.m., Oh, 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 sorry, a raw November 5th p.m., the sweat in their hair starting to accrete and freeze, Mario's head bowed under the weight of the head mount rig, and his hideously arachnodactylic fingers whitening as the fence takes his forward weight, Hal's posture subtly but warmly inclined ever so slightly toward his tiny older brother, who resembles him the way creatures of the same order but not the same family might resemble each other. As they stand watching and hashing matters out, Hal and Pemulus, there's the thud and sprong of an EWD transnational catapult off way below to their left, and then the high, keen sound of a waste displacement projectile the clouds are too low to let them see the flight of. Though a weirdly yellow sheep-shaped cloud is visible somewhere up off past Acton, connecting the horizon seam to some kind of coming storm front held off by the Asthme fans along the Lowell Methuen stretch of border northwest. Pemulus finally nixes the notion of performing the spirited controlled experiment here in Enfield, where Axford has to be at the A Squad's dawn drills every morning at 0500, and also Hal, unless he slept over at HMH the night before, with HMH just not being a good DMZ dropping venue (laughs) at all. Uh, Pemulus scanning up and down the length of the fence and winking at Mario posits that a solid 36 hours of demand-free time will be advisable for any interaction with the incredibly potent you know what ski. 
that also lets out the uh, lets out the inter academy thing with Port Washington tomorrow, for which Charles Tavis has chartered two buses because so many ETA players are getting to go and do battle in this one. Port Washington Academy is gargantuan, the Xerox Inc. of North American tennis academies, with over 300 students and 64 courts, half of which they'll have already put under warm, inflatable Testar cover as of, like, Halloween, PW staff being less into the value of elemental suffering than <laughs> shit and co. I just love how obsessed they are with the lung going up over the courts. Yeah, Like, it's so miserable. So many that Tavis will almost surely go ahead and bust them all back up from Long Island just as soon as the post-competition dance is over, rather than shell out for all those motel rooms without corporate support. This ETA, PW, meet and buffet and dance <laughs> are a private inter-academy tradition, an epic rivalry almost a decade old. Plus, Pemula says he'll need a couple weeks of quality med library stacks tossing time to do the more exacting titration and side effects research. Hal agrees the soldier's sobering story seems to dictate. <laughs> so they conclude the window of opportunity looks to be November 20th and 21st, the weekend right after the big end of fiscal year fundraising exhibition with the ETA A and B squads in singles against this year. Quebec's notoriously hapless Junior Davis and Junior Whiteman Cup squads, which takes us to end note number 74. Uh, Davis Cup is male, Whiteman female. Great. Great. Uh, invited down under very quiet, low-profile political conditions <laughs> via the good expatriate offices of Avril Incandenza to get uh, vivisected by Wayne and Hal at Hal for the philanthropic amusement of ETA patrons and alums, then to dance the PM away at a catered supper and alumni ball, the weekend right before Thanksgiving week, and the Whataburger Invitational in sunny Arizona. Because this year, in addition to Friday, November 20th, they also get Saturday, November 21st off, as in from both class and practice, because CT and Stitt have arranged a big special uh, one-match doubles ex exhibition for the Saturday a.m. following the big meet, one between two female coaches of the Quebecois Whitemans and ETA's infamous Vought twins, Karen and Sharon Vought, <laughs> 17, Onan's top-ranked junior women's doubles team, Unbeaten in three years, an unbeatable duo, uncanny in their cooperation on the court, moving as one at all times, playing not just as if, but in fact because they shared a brain, <laughs> or at least the psychomotor lobes of one, the twins, Siamese, fused at the left and right temple, banned from singles by Onan Regs, the uh, broad shadow casting bots. Flinty eyed tire executives' daughters out of Akron using her slash their four legs to cover chilling amounts of court, plus to sweep the Charleston competition at every post exhibition formal ball for the last five years running. My God. Tavis will be on Wayne to play some sort of exhibitory thing too, though asking Wayne to publicly smear a second Quebecer in two days might be a bit much. <laughs> And but everybody who's anyone will be down at the lung watching the Vots vivisect some adult rank nucks, plus maybe Wayne. It takes us to end note number 75. Uh, Hal's private dread is that Tavis will want him to offer up his personal competitive map and dignity to John and R. Wayne, 
who's never in several matches lost more than three games in a set to Hal for the titillation of the alumni and patrons at the November fundraiser gala's exhibitions, though this is pretty unlikely right before the Whataburger when Hal will be apt to face Wayne in the semis anyway, and Stitt isn't apt to want an utter demapping that fresh in Hal's mind right before a major event. Mm. Uh, back to the text. Then the ETAs will get Saturday to rest and recharge before starting both the pre-Waterburger training week and the bell lap of prep for 12, uh, December 12's boards, meaning late, God damn it, meaning late Friday night through Sunday a.m. will give Pemulus, Hal, and Axford, and maybe Struck if Pemulus needs to let Struck in for help with library tossing, enough time to psycho-spiritually rally from whatever meninges withering hangover the incredibly potent DMZ might involve. And Axford in the sauna predicted it would be a witherer indeed, since even just LSD alone, he observed, left you the next day not just sick or down, but utterly empty, a shell, void inside, like your soul was a wrung-out sponge. Hal wasn't sure he concurred. <laughs> An alcohol hangover was definitely no frolic in the psychic glade, all thirsty and sick and your eyes bulging and receding with your pulse. But after a night of involved hallucinogens, Hal said the dawn seemed to confer on his psyche a kind of pale, sweet aura, a luminescence. <laughs> Which takes us to EndNote 76. Oh, this is a lot. How long have we been going? Uh, 30, we're almost, we're almost done. We're almost yeah, done. you're on like the last page, but this is a long end. Yeah. End uh, note 76. Hal and Condensa had thought for a while as a toddler to have some sort of attention deficit disorder, partly because he read so fast and spent so little time on each level of various pre-CD-ROM video games, partly because just about any upscale kid even slightly to port or starboard of the Bell Curve's Acme was thought at that time to have ADD, and for a while there, there'd been a certain amount of specialist shuttling. And many of the specialists were veterans of Mario and were preconditioned to see Hal as also damaged. But thanks to the diagnostic savvy of Brandeis's Child Development Center, the damage assessments were not only retracted, but reversed way out to the other side of the damage to gifted continuum. And for much of the glabrous part of his childhood, Hal had been classified as somewhere between borderline gifted and gifted. Though part of this uh, high cerebral rank was because BCDC's diagnostic tests weren't quite so keen when it came to distinguishing between raw neural gifts and the young Hal's mo monomaniacally obsessive interest and effort, as if Hal were trying, as if his own very life were in the balance to please some person or persons, even though no one had ever even hinted that his life depended on seeming gifted or precocious or even exceptionally pleasing. And when he'd committed to memory, entire dictionaries and vocab check software and syntax manuals, and then had gotten some chance to recite some small part of what he'd pounded into his RAM for a proudly nonchalant mother, or an even, a, a, even a by this time as far as he was concerned pretty much out there father, at these times of public performance and pleasure, the Weston, Massachusetts school district in the early BS 1990s had inter-school range of reading and recall spelling bee-ish competitions called Battle of the Books, which these were for how pretty much a, of a public turkey shoot and approval fest. <laughs> when he'd extracted what was desired from memory and faultlessly pronounced it before certain persons, he'd felt almost that same pale sweet aura that an LSD afterglow conferred, some milky corona, 
like almost a halo of approved grace made all the milkier by the faultless nonchalance of a mom's who'd made it clear that his value was not contingent on winning first or even second prize ever. Oh boy. (laughs) Uh, 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 Pale sweet aura, luminescence, halation, Axford observed. Pemulus appears to have left out of his calculations the fact that he'll get that Saturday p.m. off classes only if he makes the traveling list for the Tucson Whataburger the following week, and that unlike Hal and Axford, he's not a lock. Pemulus's USTA rank, accepting his halcyon 13th year in the year of the Purdue Wonder Chicken, has never gotten higher than one, uh, 128, and the Whataburger draws kids from all over Onan and even Europe, the draw will have to be weak indeed for him to get even one of the 64 qualifying round invitations. Axford's on the fringes of the top 50, but he got to go last year at 17, so he's almost got to get to go. And Hal is looking at getting a third or maybe fourth seed in 18 singles. He's definitely going, barring some sort of cataclysmic ankle relapse against either Port Washington or Quebec. Axford postulates that Pemulus isn't miscalculating so much as simply showing a slitty-eyed confidence, which, as far as his match play outlook is concerned, would be unusual and rather a fine thing. Pro-Rector Aubrey DeLint says publicly that seeing M. Pemulus in practice versus seeing M. Pemulus in a real match that means anything is like getting to know some girl through email as like email (laughs) keyboard type pen pals and really falling for her and then finally meeting her in person and finding out she's just got like one enormous tit in the exact middle of her chest or something (laughs) like that. Another. Which takes us to end note uh, 77. Granted, Pemulus over the summer He boards at ETA during the summer, but hasn't qualified for the European trip since YPW, has made and distributed, at cost, a few copies of a highly amusing low-memory TP game whose graphics featured a picture of DeLint and a mock-up of the Hell panel from H. Bosch's triptych, The Garden of Earthly Delights, which TP game continues to enjoy a select late-night vogue amongst the sub-16s. He made a video game? He made a video game? I don't. <laughs> oh God. Uh, Mario will get to come along if Avril can convince CT to bring him along to get Whataburger footage for this year's ETA promotional Xmas giveaway to private and incorporated patrons cartridge. Shacked and the glossy Syrian are laughing together about something up at the net post where they've walked to gather gear and various spare rotator cuff and knee appliances after the Syrian kind of cornily jumped the net and pumped Shaq's hand, breath and sweat steam rising up off and moving off through the fence's mesh toward the manicured western hills as Mario's laugh rings out at some broad mock supplicants gesture Shaq's now just made. That's the section. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh... So what if instead of Infinite Cast, we did a we did a uh, the a podcast just called the Infinite Gist, mm-hmm. where we just give the gist of each chapter, and so the entire <laughs> the entire podcast would be like uh, chapter whatever this is. Um, the boys discuss the most opportune time to do a powerful hallucinogen as uh, as at, while watching, and then go watch their friend um, lose a set to a Syrian guy who's yeah. uh, trying to fix his rotator cuff problem. Yep. That's the that's the infinite gist. 
That's the infinite gist of this section. Yeah, of this of section. Infinite gist. Uh, I don't want to get like too personal, and like I hate talking about this stuff because it 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 kind of comes off as like "woe is me" type things, and it's really not. But I related to that footnote about Hal's uh, ADD diagnosis mm-hmm. and the subsequent like pressures of being in a gifted program. And I know it's so fucking cliche to be like, "Oh, gifted kids, whatever," but it is like that is a thing that happened to me of being like at, at age like six diet like being told like your attention is is extremely His problematic deficit. and you need to be medicated for it but also you are ex- like exceptionally smart to the to the point that you have to do more work yeah you're so good at school we're going to give you more school to do yeah and also medicate you to to do the school more better yes. what, for what reason you're good so you have to be better yeah and it's funny that the um that Hal's mom is not pressuring Mm-hmm. And yet it co- like it comes from somewhere, right? There's still even yeah. even though she has never once said that she uh, I I I think that's an interesting thing to depict is that like uh, wh- where does the pressure come from? Where where does the bell curve come from? It comes from somewhere, it comes from teachers, which comes from the school that you are yeah, put at. It's just like this whole track that I mean, I guess it makes sense that you want to like give kids like schoolwork that is like appropriate to their level of competence but it's also like it's so stupid school is so stupid what i the older i get the more that i'm like uh like learning is good it is great to learn things but Mm -hmm. school and education the way that it is conceived is like incredibly stupid i think it's pretty broken at this point and like it's funny the um pandemic i mean it's not funny but the pandemic definitely kind of revealed every weakness that american schooling has which is that american schooling is basically daycare up -hmm. until a certain point and then it's like trying to make sure you don't like uh do like street crime you you know what i mean because but there are like these tracks and stuff and like i don't know my parents like growing up my parents like the, the main message I got them that it was at the point of my entire life mm-hmm. was to go to the highest ranked college as yes. possible. Yeah. And like once that and happened, that was the I, end had, game. I had succeeded at my most basic premise. They weren't like, Chris, you got to be a lawyer. No, they, or they were like, or weren't like, Chris, you got to be a good person. Yeah. Or like you, you should do something that is fulfilled. It was yeah. like the, you, you will have succeeded the living conditions if you go to Harvard. Yeah. That is that is the victory condition of your life. They wanted you to to over index on yes. uh, on education at the So here's here's my question. Oh, I, wait, I, yeah, the, yeah, go go on. I just had a like and I just think that that's a, such a weird way to conceive of like education. And I think that's you know, I'm not I think that that is like one of the things that you, he's talking about in this like book of like this tennis academy that is trying to create these like hyper successful hyper mm-hmm. not not successful just like hyper trained children yeah, right to do what unsure be good tennis pros only like one of them gets to do that everything else is like or be like a tennis professional yeah, you yeah. Know? uh i don't know i guess i'm just all saying like if you know if we have a kid and um, some teacher comes up and is like this kid needs to be in like a gifted program my response would be why yeah i mean uh, because they can do better at school okay why Right. Why do they need, like, uh, they're fine. Uh, they're doing well. They seem to be learning. Why do they need to be? Yeah. I felt like, I, I agree. I mean, uh, the, I, I was not, like, it. I, I, I over-indexed in, you know, br- brain in, mm-hmm. like, elementary school, middle school, and their every response to try to 
do to do gifted shit Mm -hmm. for a while it was great and then it started to be socially destabilizing like they once suggested that i take a math class a freshman year math class in eighth grade which Mm -hmm. means that i would have had to go to the high school in the morning and take classes with high schoolers why would you do that that? i didn't know you don't need to know algebra one year earlier that's the thing and i was here's the thing and i need i cannot overstate this enough i am not good at math yes i was merely better at it than most of the kids but that i am by no means good i can't even add simple integers now without an eighth grader to the high school to get a one-year head start on fucking calculus and like that that was the standardized response as opposed <sighs> to like first of all asking me whether i was genuinely interested in math yeah. if i if i had asked maybe to like take a community college writing class yes would they have done that because that was what i was interested <laughs> yeah. in yeah i don't this I, I don't want this to you know feel like we're yeah the, the woe is me thing it's, but it is so funny that school the way school is structured yeah that both if you are underperforming as with their I- indicators, then you are basically, le- you know, the, you're the child left behind. Yeah, yeah. Because you're taken out and isolated. <laughs> oh, my, my God. We have left a We've child. We've left a child behind. And then same deal if you're if you're over indexing yeah. and uh, you're also socially isolated, too, which then begs the question, like, what is school? Is school more social or more educational? Yeah. Because I found that the way... First of all, I did not have parents to push me to do anything in particular, and I'm grateful for that. Um, And secondly, I just kind of did, I dealt with school. What I, it almost felt like every class was independent study. Yeah. I would I would be in English class, bored out of my mind. I would just grab another book in in the classroom and just be reading it during class, and it worked for me. I yes. don't know, like it didn't take me out of the thing. I never felt like I was being like ripped out of the mechanism. I just dealt with it in the way that I wanted to deal with it. And could, is that attention deficit? I was reading another book during class, but no one ever told me that I was ADD or ADHD. I don't know. It's Which is all to say I, I, that, you know, I, I get that, that footnote. Yeah. And besides that footnote that he's, he's looking for in life, Hal, this feeling of like, of like psychic satisfaction and mm-hmm. like, uh, like non-pressure of like, yes. when, like that, you know what I mean? Like that, that thing that people that freak people out, which is that he reads the dictionary, he memorizes the dictionary, right? And that feels good to him mm-hmm. to do it and to like and to say it, and it feels good to like win in that particular way. But yet, that's what makes him like weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, now, here's a question I have. Yeah, are the incandenzas of Italian heritage? Um, they mu- at least uh, Jim Jim James must be incandenza. incandenza. Uh, but just you know the the name Mario. Mar- Mario, yeah, Mario, Mario Orin. Orin, I guess, is, is more of a Northern European name. I don't know what, what Orin comes from. Orin. Orin. Yeah. Uh, what else is, is in this uh, chapter? I mean, a lot, a lot of drug stuff. Yes. I, I'm enjoying the the slight nod to like MK Ultra stuff with mm-hmm. like this, this CIA research drug. Um, and like this society kind of littered with um, 60s and 70s burnouts. Yeah, exactly. Which I feel like was probably more pressing in in the 90s, right? Yeah. As w- when David Foster Wallace was writing it of like what's going to happen to the to these, these shells people. of people who've been fucked by the Vietnam War and the and the resulting uh, traumas. Yeah. Um, so that's good. I like that stuff. <laughs> I wanna, I mean, I, I'm excited for when they eventually do this DMZ. Oh, the other thing I wanted to say is I appreciate them talking about 
getting into this because the only thing I could think of when this chapter started is that given what we've heard of the ETA schedule, that it would be so stressful to do an intense drug at this uh, at this school just because you don't have any breaks. You literally don't. Yeah, they literally don't have any time. And even Pemulus uh, might not even get to do this. Because although, he doesn't qualify for the Whataburger invitation. Could, could you guess based on the sl- slitty eyed confidence that maybe Pemulus has something up his sleeve to get him to the, uh, the what, yeah to the Whataburger? Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine they were going to make it work. Also, just narratively, you want to see the, these boys do these this drug, which Pemulus I assume is, is going to be a, a big uh, like set piece chapter. We'll see. Um, we, we shall see. I just, I'm more like, I remember when I read this in, in college, I was just like, da- like damn, these, these kids are like really going for it. Like, they, you know, they they do speed, they smoke weed, they've done some acid, but I, I feel like this is like such a leap in terms of like a psychic yeah. experience that maybe is related to how fucking stressed they are, yeah. right? Like how, you know, in the previous chapter there, or a couple of chapters ago talking about... Um, be, being so addicted to your substance that you just want to lose your mind mm-hmm. and then this what is this but them not wanting to do the same thing right to remove themselves from the stress and pressure of this uh academy and just truly like get get off their get off their rock get off their ride for a bit yeah i mean yeah i get that they're, they're psychonauts <laughs> sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta clean out the old the old brain you gotta um you gotta put the brain in the washing machine every every now and again yeah, I will especially say that. if you're under that much stress from both ways the problem though is let the kids do the hallucinogen i well fine. from a from a they're doing they're doing the due diligence, the research. They're the doing the research, but from a developmental standpoint, you really don't want to do whatever they're doing until at least you're early, if not mid twenties. I mean, their I, brains are still developing. Yeah, you just do it once. They've only got like thirteen of them in the world. I know. I also like I so <laughs> I like the the the, um, the quaalude esque nature of these yeah. non manufactured drugs mm-hmm. anymore. Yep. Uh. Yeah. I. I I, the idea of like a substance where every time you do it, there is literally less of it in the in the world, you know? Yeah, it's freaky. It's interesting. Uh, uh, anything else we want to talk about in this chapter? Keep, uh, keep an eye on the antitois, um, the the store where the storefront with it. Oh yes, the, the Nux where I I totally get that that type of store. Oh. Mm-hmm. The literal Siamese twin, the du- literal the Vought twins, du- uh, uh, duos. I know that's a it's a the the running bit of um like kind of deformity and uh like disability that he keeps doing of like I mean not to spoil it but lateral Alice Moore can only move side to side. Okay, so like, wait, and- but also is it only <laughs> women who are disabled in it? Because wasn't the other woman that we met- well Mario Mario's disabled. Uh, Mario's disabled, but didn't he? Didn't we meet a woman when they were like in the woods who had like some kind of physical? She was just large, large. in ki- in in kitten plan or no? Um, oh god, fucking a, I can't remember her name. But the the big, she's a big girl. She's a big girl. Yeah, she's sure. just a, a big girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've never seen Sounds of the Lambs, have no, you? No, uh, not not for a long time. Uh, uh, maybe once when I was. Like, I mean, yeah. I'm just something I'm clocking that there's there's not many women in this book that aren't. There's uh, not many women in this book. <laughs> there aren't many. <laughs> a, there's not many women in this book. B, there's not many women in this book who aren't like described as somehow physically grotesque. Yeah, or just yeah, it just yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Every everyone is like a special specimen, right? Like yeah. Avril and Condensa is like very tall, <laughs> very tall and handsome. She's the she's the Elizabeth the Becky of of this book. Kind of honestly, that would be a good. She's too young, I think. But if they needed a young uh, Avril, actually, I can kind of envision Elizabeth uh, the Becky. Have we done casting for this yet? I mean, I, I still don't have uh, have like enough of a bead on any of these characters. But you probably do. Who would you will cast as Hal and Condensa? I mean, he's like a boy. He's like a seventeen-year-old like boy. boy. I, don't, so, I don't know any seventeen-year-old So it would have boys. to be either Tom Holland or the other one, the wiry one, Timothy. Timothy couldn't be Timothy. Timothy's all... not. Well, you need someone who's a little Jack because they are they're working out hard. That you need someone who's so like... it's probably Tom Holland. What is that? I never know what's going on in the back something, of the building. Something's hammering. Something's yeah. So the, you you need a, you need a jacked little boy. A jacked little boy. And there's precisely one of those. So it has to be Tom Holland. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> uh, well, the good news is that Oren and Condensa, as a football player uh, who's a bit older, yeah, that's, that's get, more you wide open. You yeah. can find some hunk. Uh, and then all the other little little boys, I guess you would cast randos. Yeah, you you would do the um, the Dead Poet Society thing where you would just find a bunch of. Uh, yeah, you get one. You get one centerpiece boy, and then uh, you know just cast a bunch of. Uh, just throw a yeah, throw a spr- a sprinkling of other boys in the mix. Yeah. I mean, I, that's the other thing is like, how do you cast Mario? Because he's like a tiny, like cl- a tiny boy with like claws who can't stand up straight. Uh, CGI character. Oh my, oh my God, Andy Circus. <laughs> Andy Circus. Andy Circus can play. That's terrible. <laughs> that's well. That's the only person I think of when when you're trying to play someone who's kind of like yeah. not not quite maybe regular looking. <laughs> you kidding, Andy Circus? Oh, God. Okay. oh God! Well, we we we've, we've been chatty on this one, so yeah. we, we somehow managed to go all the way to an hour. Mm. Remember when these used to be like thirty minutes long? Yeah, I guess the earlier chapters were a little shorter. Yeah, we were just getting into it, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, bye bye. Bye. <laughs>